Welcome to the Severe MMA Podcast Premium with Sean Sheehan and Ian O'Neill. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 410 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan and I will be joined today by Ian O'Neill to talk some MMA. And you're probably thinking to yourself, Shawnee, we just had a podcast. We just had to say to the UFC, it's a Tuesday. What's going on here? But you know what? There was too much news over the weekend. There was too many fights. There was too much Irish MMA news. The WWE and UFC are one? What? What's going on? So we had to come on. We're going to give you a podcast. I'm not sure. It could be half an hour. It could be an hour. It could be four hours. Who knows? So you're getting an extra podcast for this week. Thank you, Shawnee. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Severe MMA. If you like that, go on over. Our Patreon, we we all we know all you, know, you love it. We all know if you sign up for this, the start of the month as well. Patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. Come on, come on. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people listening to this. We just need a few of you. Yeah, like if you're listening to this, right? Just there's one month. One month in Patreon, that's the job. And if you don't do that, Head on over to Manscaped because they have some of the absolute best stuff for your spring cleaning and their leaders in below the waist grooming. 8 million win men worldwide trust Manscaped and you can use the promo code SEVERE and may to get 20% off and a free shipping. Myself and Ian have been using them for a while. Myself and Graham, Graham have been using them for a while. And they will take you to the next level with the performance package 4.0. In that, you will find the trimmer, weed, the, the lawnmower trimmer, even 4.0, uh, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer the crop preserver ball the yodel crop reviver toner and the uh, boxer briefs as well as the travel bag I actually found a spare bottle of the crop preserver deodorant in my uh, in my freaking loft loft not loft what am I saying bedside drawer yesterday and I'm so delighted because it's the best but anyway you will get that but you'll also get the lawnmower 4.0 which is a trimmer absolutely brilliant advanced skin safe technology don't treat your balls like punching bags, even though they might look like them. Brilliant. Waterproof, LED light. You can do it in the shower, in the dark, the whole lot. No one likes nose hairs either, do they? No one likes ear hair. So get the weed whacker to get rid of them. It uh, has a proprietary skin safe technology, which helps to reduce nicks, snags, and other tugs in those delicate holes. This package also comes with the aforementioned crop uh, pre- uh, preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner. That's right. Ball deodorant can change your life. It can. It's the best. I'm telling you, if you haven't tried it, you need to try it. If you order, if you get all that, you get two free gifts as well. The performance boxer briefs and the shed a travel bag. Always use the tools for the right job and head to their website and check out all of their tools to upgrade your hygiene routine. So here's our call to action. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SevereMayManscap.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SevereMayManscap.com. Your balls will thank you. Your balls. They will indeed. Thank you. All right, Ian, let's get into it. And where to start, I suppose? We, we, look, we're going to start at the Irish MMA stuff because there was a lot of it over the weekend. And uh, do you know what? All of it was was good, to be honest. There was no bad performances. There was all, I think, well, okay, the, Nadine Abbott-Bissett, we, we, we haven't seen that because, and I suppose maybe we'll start there. Congratulations. She, she apparently won. She apparently had a fight. Combatches, America's global, whatever, apparently exists. So hopefully, look, we'll talk about that more in the future, but we definitely mention her because, you know, one, she won her amateur of the year, didn't she, a, a couple of years ago. She was bang up there anyway, and she's, you know, a top, top, top amateur fighter coming into pros, lost her debut, uh, and ended up winning at the weekend. Just Combatches or a, or a farce. 
seemingly, and we can't can't see the fight. Has Palahan fought yet, or is it? It's easy going to fight. What's happening with him? There, well, uh, like I I reached out to them, and you know they were pretty good for a while, but uh, basically they confirmed that Nadine was fighting. The, the The last sentence on on the last email I got is like, yes, that's correct, because I asked about Nadine. D Begley is due to fight. Palahan is due to fight, and. Um, yeah, they said Palahan is still waiting for or they're waiting for bout agreements for his fight or something like that. Um, but they've been waiting for those for two weeks now, I think. And I mean, I uh, I think that with Nadine, they just said, yeah, Nadine is fighting tomorrow. Didn't even give the name of the person. And I asked Nadine when I was at the Nationals, but I can't remember for the life of me the name. Uh, like a Mexican lady anyway she we, fought. So that's we tried our best. <laughs> <laughs> we tried our best. Like, it's just, it's impossible. So it's like one of those ones you send a thousand word email, you get back, yes, or okay. <laughs> you know, one yeah. of those. So, but, uh, so, but congratulations. I know we, we joke. It's it's unfortunate. I saw someone talking about it recently about boxing where like people had left Eddie Hearn and stuff because they're on the zone now because no one can watch him basically. You know, it's it's impossible to find a lot of this. And I think with, you know, I know you, you spoke to Shauna Bannon about it there a while back about like one of the big reasons she went to Invicta was because people would be able to see her. You know, we know Invicta exists. You know, and like, I think that's something in the future. A lot of people are probably who have ambitions maybe going to the UFC or going to Bellator or PFL that's probably something that they're going to have to think about uh, in future. But anyway, we, we, we won't dwell on that. Let's, uh, let's start with Liam McCourt because her fight with Katzengano was, was a top fight. It was, it was a brilliant fight, a brilliant performance from Liam McCourt and very unfortunate to lose uh, the decision. Um, I, th- I thought she won the first round. Now, it's some look, we'll be honest, it's, sometimes it's hard to keep the biases aside, but as someone who tries to judge things down the middle all the time, I, I did my best to keep the biases aside. I thought there she, was terrible accusations being thrown around. Oh, this there were terrible. And I didn't even tell, I didn't even, uh, no one, I didn't tell one person on God's green or two I thought won the fight. I don't think. Maybe I did, maybe, but I, I didn't put it in public anyway who I thought won the fight. So I don't know how could I, anyone could accuse me. But anyway. Great first round from Leah. I thought she won it. Uh, she won the first four minutes of the fight, landed the better shots. There wasn't a whole load landed, had the better positions, dominated the position. Cat um, got her back for the last minute, did zero with it. So I think that was a pretty obvious round for Leah McCord. I think she won the first. Now, only Michael Bell gave her the first round, which is just to me wrong. Like It was a close round, and it's not by no means like there was she robbed in that round or anything. No, but... I think good judges give her that round. Now, the other two judges, I know I've seen them judge before. They're not the most inexperienced judges in the world, but it's telling the most experienced judge gave it to her. Second round, definitely cats and gun around. Leah almost had her finish, though, in the start of the second round. And we'll, I'll, I'll throw it a few seconds in. We, we'll, we'll go through the intricacies of it. Uh, but just to, to, if people haven't seen it. But, yeah, Leah almost had her finish, mounted. Cat turned it around got on top of herself, landed some very, very good strikes and took that round. I think she did enough there. And then the third was such an interesting round because it started with Liam McCord knocking down Katzengano. Not the heaviest knockdown in the world or anything like that, but it has to be mentioned. Even for a, a bit then, but then Leah got on top and was the better fighter, landing the better shots, doing everything and landed a good few shots, I think was well ahead. And there was around a minute left the, the fight came back to the feet and Katzengano landed this big knee to the nose of Liam McCourt, which, or, or it was the forehead of Liam McCourt, which cut her open badly and she was spouting blood everywhere. But Leah, like, <laughs> damaged her, but showed no ill effects. She immediately got on top, 
Cat reversed it. it there was a scramble there and the fight ended. Now, if that knee hadn't happened, Liam McCoy wins that round. Like, I don't think there's any doubt or shred of, you know, analysis about that or anything. She does. Does she win it anyway? That's the analysis. Should she win it because of that knee or should she lose? Sorry, should she win it or because of that knee, should she lose it? That's maybe the analysis we need to talk about in that. But the bigger issue actually isn't that. It's that two of the judges didn't give her the first round. So even if all three judges had given her the third round, she still wouldn't have won. She would have lost the split decision. So the big issue here is the first round. I'm very torn. I talked to a couple of judges about that third round. um, And one of them said to me, one of the best judges in the world I spoke to, and he said to me, I don't know. And he, he that, that, and judges never say that. Judges always know. They, like, they always, they always, and he goes, I don't know what I would have done. But he's, the one part, and uh, two judges actually said it to me as well, if it's a round like that and someone gives you a reason to give it to them, like Zingano did there, you take that reason. If if a fighter kind of makes it easy on you, you know, we always say that, oh, it was a close round, who should have won it? Who made it easier? Not in the, not, nothing negative about Leah, but for a positive for Kat, she made it easy for the judges to score it for her. Like, you couldn't ask, oh, why did Kat Zingano win that round? Well, we know why she won that round, because she landed a big knee that caught Leah McCourt open. But how unlucky for Leah McCourt. Like, there's no doubt about it. She was the better fighter in that fight. No doubt about it whatsoever. She was better in the first round. She was better in the third round. She was better for half of the second round. She really, really was. A great performance against a world-level fighter in Katsingana. I couldn't speak highly enough about her. Now I've talked enough, Ian. I'll throw it over to you. Were you as impressed as I was? I, I couldn't get over how good Leah was. So honestly, the improvements she made. Yeah, it was, like... The confidence on the feet seems to be getting a lot better for Leah as well. I think you look at the start of the fight, Sean, and she landed two great straight right hands that kind of like Katzingano kind of took notice straight away. And she was the one who initiated the takedown then because she obviously didn't like what she was uh, dealing with on the feet. So with Leah, then she dominated the clinch exchanges as well. A little bit of a mistake in round one to probably get her back taken. And I think that was the kind of the the trend of the fight really, wasn't it? An odd little mistake here where you had Kat Zingana who was experienced enough to take advantage of those mistakes. Um, Whereas that, if those mistakes didn't happen, like you said, uh, I think it would have been a pretty one-sided clear victory for Leah McCourt here. But look at Leah's 10 fights in now, Sean, while 10 or 11 fights in, she's going to learn massively from that. It's great to see her getting in there and making those improvements. She has some ways to go as well. Um, but you know, she'll take a great deal of confidence and a great deal of lesson from that, um, from that fight, I think with Zach Katzingano round two, I have to ask you, um, Leah hurt, well, dropped her at the start, got an advantageous position. She was in kind of half back control. Oh, no, no, round, per se. round three, you mean? Is round, it? round, round, when was the round where my Frank Trigg, um, that was round three when he separated for the shots to the back of the head. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That was round two. Yeah. That was yeah. round two. Yeah. So I thought, Leah, uh, right. I want to get your opinion on this. Fair enough. The shots might have been a little bit uh, to the back of the head, but aren't, isn't the referee supposed to warn the fighter first before yeah. separating? Yeah. Uh, they are. But also if you see like four shots to the back of the head, which I, I think there were in fairness shots to the back of the head, you if it's you think it's bad enough, you just say stop and you stand them up and you separate them. Like it's 
you, sh- you yeah, okay, absolutely warn someone, but if you think they're bad enough and you don't have time to warn them, if you think what happened was bad enough to, to stop the situation, you should stop it. So I, I, I wouldn't criticize him for that, to be honest. No, I wouldn't. No, no. And it was just an observation more so of uh, um, me being critical, to be honest, because I thought Leah was in an advantageous, advantageous position there. And she got it taken away from her. But I guess, you know, that's maybe a little bit of experience. She wouldn't do that or wouldn't throw those shots in for in future fights. So I was very impressed with her overall. I mean, she took Kat right to the wire. It was basically the knee for me as well, which was like the turning point of round three. You're talking about damage and, and it having an impact. I mean, the blood was going probably going into her eyes and affecting her that way. So, you know, I think you explained it pretty well when it came to the scoring of it. But, uh, you know, Leah will dust herself off. She'll be back at it again. And I'm looking forward to seeing her next fight as well. So um, for me, I know we were talking a little bit after the fight as well. Uh, not to jump too far ahead, but it's like for me, you're leave Chris Cyborg out of this equation altogether if you ask me I think there's some avenues there that you can take where you can bring a title fight back to Dublin whether Cyborg is there whether Cyborg is not there uh, but for me I think to kind of freshen up the division um, I think it would be best for Bellator to kind of remove Cyborg from the situation create a vacant title and maybe bring it back to Dublin in September 100% I, I think something needs to be done with that like because Cyborg she like the division is actually becoming more exciting and it's like people have actually emerged who we kind of want to see fighting each other and want to rematch and all that so i think i 100% agree with that two quick points i want to make as well just on the fight itself on the second round you know we kind of both briefly mentioned but i think when leah got that mount and it was after the sequence you talked about with the the shots to the back of the head so the fight went down to the ground again and i was like she was almost going to finish her but it felt like it felt like Leah was like, I'm going to beat Katzengano. You know, it felt like, I've, I've won it. I'm getting a title shot. And then suddenly she didn't. And then she had like, it was like, I'm almost not fighting the fight anymore. I'm fighting the occasion. And Kat kind of moved and got out of the position. It felt like that is something. And you said there was Leah 10, 11 fights into her career. If she goes, and I said this as well before with Paul Hughes. I said this with other people. You need to be, you need to be honest with yourself. And it's a small, very fixable thing. If you look at that and go, I'm never going to fucking make that mistake again. The next fight that comes around, Liam McCourt will win that fight that way. And she would have won it. She would have beaten Katzengano in that exact fashion if that hadn't happened. Now, was it a mistake? I, I think it was an error. I think it was a mistake. But it's a learning fucking thing. Like, Liam will be back. Leah's going to have a big yeah. fight in her next fight and she's probably going to fight for either a title if Cyborg's gone to fight after that. It's a massive thing. And just the point as well uh, on the, the cut... We and I have to clarify this because it's something that's been said an awful lot not with this but before this and Dominic Cruz has perpetuated and all that damage is just superficial damage is c- cuts or damage you can be cut and not damaged if you get me like okay that's a weird thing to say you can be cut and not seriously damaged you can be punched not cut and way more heavily damaged that should count more Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo cold. He didn't cut him. Or maybe he did a little bit. No, he didn't really, like, you know? So who? what's more damaging? What Katzingana did to Liam McCourt or what Conor McGregor did to Jose Aldo? Now, that's an obtuse fucking example there, but you get what I mean. The judges are scoring. If if Kat had hit Leah and Leah had wobbled backwards, fell on her back and had to grab onto her to survive, that would have scored a lot more highly than the, cut, than, than the shot that just cut her. 
She showed no ill effects whatsoever apart from the cut. Should a cut score? Absolutely. Should that that the physical um uh, superficial damage score? Absolutely 100%. Should it score as heavily as concussive damage, let's say for that and it's not necessarily concussive because it can be leg kicks, can be a body kick or whatever. Physical damage it should not score as heavily as that. There's a line in the criteria. It says fighting spirit. It diminishes your fighting spirit. Did that blow diminish Leah McCourt's fighting spirit? It absolutely did not. Right? Now we've seen other blows that landed on other people. They'll land a big shot and they're, they can no longer have the same fighting spirit they had five seconds earlier. So if you're looking at it, don't just look at the, the superficial damage. Don't just look at the cuts. Look, fight, I, I think I love that phrase, the fighting spirit. Look at their fighting spirit. Do they still have the same fighting spirit? But anyway, I think this, uh, lastly to say on that fight, Ian, before we uh, we move on to one of the others, or, or are you happy enough? But it was uh, so tough. Like, you'd feel so sorry for the McCork because the scoring, we can discuss scoring, but she was, like, I'll say it again, she was the better fighter. There's no doubt about it. And to lose that decision, it's so tough on her, and I can't imagine being in that position. Yeah, look, you go in there, you try and uh, pull up to one of your heroes, you know, I saw a great exchange after the fight as well. And, you know, while it'll probably be hurting Leah right now, uh, she'll look back at the tape, she'll see a couple of, like you said, fixable um, mistakes that were made. And, you know, she's she's shown great progress there. And I hope she just dusts herself down um, and gets back. And I'd love to see her fighting in the Bellator card in September. That's 100%. that's what I'd love to see happening now. Um, she can go in there and I don't know who they put her against. I mean, Slim Pickens in that division right now. I did. We had uh, Sarah Collins who picked up a good win, uh, but she only moved to four. And oh, I mean, you that's could put them together. Make, though, yeah, that's yeah maybe, you could put them together maybe and, Pam, and see maybe what happens. Pam Sorensen after she lost, you know, Leah coming off of a loss as well. Maybe you put that one together. That'd be a good 100%, name. One hundred percent. Just get her on the card, and um, you know, I think we'll see a better Liam McCourt the next time and I'm excited to see it too so not yeah. too much more to add after that and just to reiterate your point as well because I feel like I haven't made it strongly enough she looked so good like as you said her hands looked better her wrestling looked better her grappling looked better like she looked she looked what I never thought she would look like in this fight or the next couple of fights honestly I was so impressed so impressed I think I think with it, I was surprised at how comfortable she was in the striking exchanges, like and and patient as well, Sean. And it shows a lot to her in her striking. And you know, everybody has been talking about her needing to improve that. And I definitely have seen improvements in her last few fights. But you know, having that patience on the feet to to not just throw wild shots to pick your punches. She did that excellently at the start of the fight, and she did it in a way that Kat Singano wanted nothing to do with it. And Kat was initiating the the takedowns and where we would think we might see a bit of patience from Leah was in the grappling, but she kind of rushed a couple of positions so like you true, said yeah. as well. And, you know, that's that was surprising. And it's crazy how mixed martial arts work that you're probably training yourself to be so patient on the feet and it doesn't kind of go through when you're grappling, when you're getting into those closer moments. So look, at it was a great performance as well. I mean, you can take many wins from that loss and I'm sure Leah will eventually and I'm looking forward to seeing her again. Yeah, and from being there live at her last fight, that patience on the feet was something that she tried to show but kind of couldn't. You know, she was good early but then it kind of, the further the fight went on, she kind of lost patience a bit but as you said, she kept that as much as she could in a fight like this which is just another plus point for her. So, look, very impressed. I think we bought her. I'm looking forward to seeing where she goes next. Um, Let's move on and let's talk about Kiefer Crosby because 
Jesus almighty, what? Oh, first of all, who, wherever he was fighting in this Portuguese rinky-dink fucking organization. <laughs> now, the, the fight itself wasn't rinky-dink. He's fighting Cowboy fucking Oliveira. So that was anything but rinky-dink. But this crowd, uh, we were watching it on one stream. The stream died as they were just about to start on another stream from fucking 14 rows back in the crowd. But we got to watch it anyway in the end. There was mass panic in the WhatsApp group when the fight was kicking I said, off. where is it, Ian? Where is it? But, um, we got to watch it anyway. And I, do you know what? I saw few people saying oh Cobo Oliveira is spint and all Kiefer destroyed him because, and I'll tell you why that is because there's this clip going around of the last minute of the fight kind of there was another like two minutes of the fight before that that people did not see at all where Cowboy was coming out and throwing at Kiefer as well as Kiefer was throwing him and then Kiefer knocked him down hard which I don't think people saw in that clip either they got back up Cowboy kind of survived and survived now the referee should have stopped it before he did but what turned into was an absolute war so people need to calm down about all oh, this Cowboy is done and oh, you know taking it's away it's easy Kiefer. to fucking say that yeah, after the fight of, as well Sean a lot of bollocks yeah. it is like a lot of because like, a lot of people were picking against him but like the first couple of minutes of the fight didn't show that which people miss but anyway what a, what a performance by Kiefer what a win Ian and Kiefer went in there as a smaller guy as well in this fight you know it, uh, obviously you know he has flirted with lightweight he, he moved up to welterweight for this fight he, he he doesn't mind fighting there but he's given away the size advantage but he's the left right that he caught him with kind of like a I want to call it some kind of a shovel hook and followed over with the overhand right. It was a beautiful combination. And that that was the start of it for, for Kiefer. And he went hammer and tong for the finish. Cowboy showed some good heart, uh, stayed in the fight. Like you said, got back up, kind of hit him a couple of punches as well. Kiefer looked a small bit wobbly for a split second, but he just composed himself, uh, realized what situation he was in and then just absolutely turned it on uh, and just laid it on Cowboy until the ref was forced to come in. <laughs> the boys were shouting hard in the corner um, and they were right to be doing that too as well. I like, was <laughs> trying to egg the, the referee on, but like at that stage, Cowboy had taken a lot of punches and it was just his toughness and his heart that was keeping him in there. Unreal. Like that's, you know, if Kiefer was talking to us on the L Triangle, Sean, and he said, you know, he needs to go in there and he needs to put on a performance like this and he needs to get Cowboy out of there and he ticked off all the boxes there. It's a performance that would be worthy of getting signed. I hope he does get signed. I know there's people saying, oh, this and all that, but there's, like, Kiefer is more than good enough to be part of the UFC right now. He sells well. He's a good personality, has a good following. Why wouldn't you have him in the UFC? I mean, I doesn't. I don't understand people who are saying he's not UFC ready. We is we should be mad to get as many Irish people into the UFC as possible. And if anyone even has a sniff at it, we should be looking for that to happen. And I find it confusing why people say, oh, Cowboy is washed or, oh, he doesn't deserve it. Or even before the fight even happened, he's only four and three in his last fight. I don't care. It doesn't matter. If you're good enough, you're good enough. If you sell, you sell. And he went in there and he, look at all we say is guys go out there, put away UFC veterans and it's going to be good enough to get you into the UFC. Well, he did all that. And then for some people, it's still not good enough. But fair play to him. That was a brilliant, brilliant performance and a lot of pressure on Kiefer now at this stage of his career as well, Sean. You know, he has to make it work. He has to make it work now. So I think he ticked off all the boxes and I think... uh, he's going to be pushing hard for the UFC and I'd love to see him uh, on maybe a show in the summer and later on on the undercard of a Connor fight. Yeah. Like 
Cowboy, 35 years of age. He's not exactly fucking, you know, 60 or anything here. His losses to go out of the UFC were Kevin Holland, Nico Price, Randy Brown, Shavika Rachmanov. He's fine lads in the top 25, like, without a shadow of a doubt. He went out, he won in December of last year, he got a first round knockout. He won in August of last year. He got a first-round knockout as well. He's on a two-fight win streak here after going out of the UFC. Like, what are people talking about? Like, he had a couple of years ago, he beat Peter Sabata, beat Max Griffin. Like, like he is, okay, he was never, like, the best fighter in the UFC or anything like that. Make, Make no mistake about it. But, like, he is not washed. And to beat a guy like that shows the level you are at. And, look, people need to stop being critical. And maybe we were talking about it too much even. But what Kiefer showed in that right is that when he went down to Bellator, his his uh, whole thing was he did... I remember he did an interview with Graham a few years ago before he was even in Bellator. And he goes, all I care about is the UFC. All I, <laughs> I remember he signed for Bellator. I was like, oh, what was it? And there's a lot of people said that. But then he said it afterwards himself. He's like, sure, I had said that. I had said it years ago. All I cared about the UFC. And, you know, he was talking about those talks with the UFC. They told him to go out and do things. He's gone out there. He's got a first-round knockout over Malta last year. He's gone out there and got a first-round knockout over Alex Cobo Oliveira, who is one of the most experienced guys in the world at the moment, probably outside of the UFC, that has fought at the highest level, fighting, you know, it not in the UFC, Bellator, PFL, or whatever. And he's beating him in a round. Like, if that is not enough... I, I honestly don't know what is like if you're not on the Cage Warriors uh, route, if you're not on the Dana White Contender Series route or whatever. Like those things, man. I, I know a lot of people maybe are only fans for the last few years and stuff, and maybe it has changed. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're wrong, but like I still think there should be a place for that. You go out and you take on that lad who was the legend or, or was the, the, the UFC guy. You beat him. You know, somewhat in his own backyard as well. You're telling me they're bringing over Brazilian to Portugal to lose to an Irish lad? You know, and you, we all heard that crowd coming out massively in the favour of Cobb. And you go in there and you destroy him the way you do it. That should mean something. Like, I, know, I hope the video gets out there because if Sean Shelby, if Dana White sees that, then I'll sign him tomorrow. Like, without a shadow of a doubt. Now, maybe they'll try to sign him to the Contender Series or something like that. And I could see that happening as well. But, like, it's it's massive. Kiefer, I, I don't think he wants to go to Bellator. You know, I, I don't know if that whole Bellator thing went great if it worked out. PFL are kind of in their season now. So that's going to be another seven or eight months before that's even a, a talking point again. He's not going to go to Cage Warriors. We know that. Like, it feels like the UFC is the option. Do you think it will happen next? Like, I'd I'd be hopeful. I'd be fairly hopeful myself. Like he has, he's a paradigm. He has the right people, um, you know, fighting his case to get into the UFC. He did mention with us that, you know, he doesn't want to go on the contender. And of course you're going to say that too. You know, you start saying you'll go on to the contender, they're going to offer you the contender. He's saying that he wants to go straight in. I think he deserves to go straight in, but I'd be interested to see if there was a contender offer uh, put on the table if he would take it or not and I think the likelihood of it would be he probably would uh, but I'd like to see him going straight in there like like going back to having more people in the UFC that are Irish is going to bring a UFC back to Ireland as well so that's what we should be looking for 100% let's talk about look we talked about Keith, we talked about Leo we talked about uh, Nadine Abbott-Bissett 
let's talk about Will Flory because uh, Will Flory and Will Flory's traps went in there <laughs> last last weekend and <laughs> put on put on a, a fantastic performance against uh, against Christoph Jocko. No, well, when I say fantastic performance, it was a tough fucking fight. It it didn't look like a Will Flory a Will Flory performance, a normal Will Flory performance that maybe I was expecting. I think it was more of like a Will Flory trying to be the stronger man in there. And I I, I know. Even though I saw a few people, uh, Aaron Bronson, are saying, oh, sure, uh, Jocko, he was always going to fight like this against uh, light heavyweight. And I'm like, Will Flory was a fucking middleweight for his whole career until he came to PFL. What are you talking about? Like, But Will did look like the light heavyweight in there, to be fair. And I think that won him the fight. You know, I think that the fact he was a little bit stronger... They were, and I, you know, I saw Aaron was saying, you know, about the, the pop on strikes and judges score more more for that because of the bigger guy. I don't necessarily buy into that. What I do buy into is his strikes probably what did have a little bit more pop on them. Although when I thought it, when it was over, I thought Jocko had won the fight, if I'm being honest. Now, it was very close. Toss of a kind altogether. Who knows? Because I, I, I tweeted after the first round, I thought Will won it. Who knows? After the second round, I thought Jocko won it. Who knows? After the third, I was like, who knows? <laughs> you know, it was definitely without a shadow of that one of those fights. What I, I I think Will will go on from this and be better because like he didn't really get his jab going. He didn't get his striking going. He didn't get the control he usually has in fights going this fight at all. And he still won. Like it was one of those, you know, where people say, oh, you were, I was at my worst, you were at your best, and I still won. Now I don't know if it was Jacko, is that correct for Jacko in fairness, but I, I think Will can fight a damn side better than this. And not that he can, he has fought a damn side better than this. Probably in his last two or three fights, especially that uh, Tarek Suleiman fight in the rematch where he was just phenomenal with his jab throughout. I wonder how much the size and all adjusts uh, to that. But two things I'm very interested in. What's the, what's the matchmaking going to be like next? And how is he going to actually fight in that next fight? I thought as well, and I'll throw it over to you. I don't know if you thought about this. I thought Will was way more looking for the finish early in this fight because of the PFL. You know, you need to get that six points if you can get it. You only manage to get three points. It's a good start against a good fighter, no doubt about it. But I do think he was... I think he was adjusting his fighting because of the PFL. What, what did you think? Yeah, like I asked him when I was uh, speaking with him before he went over, like, does that kind of, for lack of a better term, pressure kind of get to you when you're training looking for the finish and and he kind of said to me you know you have to wait for it to come but during the fight I don't think he did wait for it to come I think like you said he was kind of pushing for it a little bit now that may have been because two lads fought and picked up first round finishes or second round finishes uh, um, earlier on that night so I guess that's another factor that you have to throw in is that the on-night events and what happens and the results in those fights can maybe mess with you mentally as well where you might have a, a game plan in your head where you feel a little bit more of an onus to go out there and try and finish to get those six points because, you know, you get six points in the PFL. We've seen it time and time again, Sean. You have a damn good chance of getting through to the playoffs with a finish. So, look, at you can hope for that again the next time. He, the important thing is that he got the win. I think... I agree with you. The key thing and one thing that surprised me is that we didn't see a jab at all, really. Not not really at all. And I thought that his jab was excellent in previous fights. And I think he'll look to bring that in in future fights as well. And it will help him. He was looking for the big uh, overhand right. 
and uh, yeah, it just it just wasn't happening for him. I think he needed to set it up a little bit better. He was much the stronger guy in the clinch. Um, he defended takedowns well. You know, I think that's one something when you're looking back at the fight is that yeah, Jocko gets the fight down, but does very little damage. Whereas Will is landing those little uh, punches off the ca- cage, and when a guy is landing nothing, and and Will is landing those shots to the ear and the side of the head and to the body. You're going, you have to be scoring those exchanges for Will as well. Um, Jocko landed well on the feet, but like you, it's like, geez, I'd hate to be a judge. It's like round one, close round. Round two, close round. Round three, Jocko landed a couple of nice shots. It was probably his best round. I'd probably feel more confident in giving him that round, but the, the first two rounds, very, very close. Um and I mean, it's a great win for Will because it will give him that confidence that he can do it. You know, he's been wanting this for so long, opportunity to fight on the big stage. He's here. He got the job done. Was as you said, not fighting to the best of his capabilities either. So knowing that he can go in there and he can do that and then he can improve, uh, that'll give him great confidence. What's next for him? Who knows? It'll be whatever the PFL, will they want to go in and put him in there against one of the another one of the big boys? I can, I think that's what he's going to want. You know, you have to beat those guys. I don't. I think Will's going to want to step in there and face everyone. He wants that top-level competition. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, I'll get a chance to speak with him soon. I'll ask him, has there any conversations taking place? What's the plan next? You know, so it'll be interesting to find out. The judges scored all three scored the third round for Jocko, as you mentioned there. I think that was correct. All three scored the second round for Flory, which was probably the closest round you know I, I gave that to Jacko but there wasn't much in it uh, and two of the three scored the first round uh, Michael Bell and Adelaide Burden Michael Bell had a great weekend I think uh, with, with the judge and he scored the first uh, he scored yeah he scored the first Adelaide Burden scored the first for Will and Sal DeMatta scored the first for Jacko nothing wrong with that as well but that's just how the, the Carls went but yeah look million quid is on the line here for Will Flory doesn't really matter, you know, about the performance, doesn't it? What matters is the win here and moving forward. And uh, it's, as I said, to, to perform the win and know you can perform a lot better even in that sort of situation against that sort of fighter in Jocko. Like Jocko, we, we talked about Oliveira having experience. Jocko has a lot of experience in the UFC as well at the highest level. And for Will Floyd to win there and win that sort of fight, massive win for Will. And looking forward to see what he does next. Right, let's move on. And we have to talk about this whole UFC, WWE endeavor sort of thing. And we have actually questions in for our guy, Christopher Graham. So we're going to talk about that via these uh, questions. Um, so let's get into them. We have six or seven questions here and we will we will answer them. So first one, uh, thoughts on Endeavor purchasing WWE just nine for Jones versus Lesnar at UFC 300. Thoughts on Vince McMahon being Dana White's boss now uh, as well. There's the first couple of questions coming in there. Now, I suppose to the second part first, very, very surprised that how the layout of this whole thing is. So if people haven't seen it, so Endeavor have bought, 51% I believe of WWE and they are now making WWE and UFC one um, aligned endeavor for want of a better term again I suppose if that wouldn't be confusing um, and at the head of that is going to be Ari Emanuel and then there's going to be two uh, executives just below him which are going to be Mark Shapiro and Vince McMahon and then below that is going to be UFC president Dan White. So no one from the UFC is involved in the upper management of this company, 
which is to me very bizarre considering they, they gave the uh, valuations of both of the companies and the UFC was a more highly valued company than WWE. Now, that does make Dana White, uh, or sorry, it does make Vince McMahon a boss of Dana White. Now, I've kind of laughed at jokes saying Ari Emmanuel is his boss, which he is, you know, I'm laughing and joking, but he is his boss. But now he has two other bosses above him as well, which I can't imagine that Dana White will take very well, to be honest. And I'm that was one of the first surprising things for me. The other side of it, and I'll throw it over to you, Ian, my initial thoughts on it were this. My initial thoughts were maybe some cool things will happen. These are my three initial thoughts. Maybe some cool things will happen. The second initial thought was, I think it could be a negative for MMA because we've already gone in a negative direction with a less meritocracy based sport but also a less sporting season to rob the PFL's term based sport um, and it could make it worse and my third thing was and probably the most important was I think the main change this will make will be for the employees of the UFC and WWE who are working backstage the people making the posters the people editing videos the people doing PR and all of those people, whether they're in, uh, I think they're called Titan Towers for WWE, or whether they're in Vegas for UFC, a lot of those people are going to be losing their jobs. Like, a lot of that is going to be amalgamated. Why would they need two departments for making posters when they have one? Why would they need two departments for editing videos when they have one? You know, maybe they have 30 people in one place, 30 people in the other place. Well, let's sack 15 of them. But the, that 15 with the other 30, no, we have 45, uh, 40, 45 people doing it. We don't need 60 people doing it, you know? I, I, that's the biggest takeaway for me, which will actually lead to my second takeaway, which how could it change? How are things going to be different? How is the promotion going to be different? And all of that. Well, uh, like, are you expecting any big changes, Ian? I'm not necessarily expecting anything big. I think little things like we've had with the oversaturation over the years that led us to where we are today with maybe a less exciting, less a more missable UFC. I feel like that's going to carry on. What are, you, what are your initial thoughts from it? Anything different or, or a similar sort of thing? It's similar enough. Like, I think initially I was like, very surprised where I had to check and see if it was real or fake news, to be honest, because there was murmurs of this a little while ago and it kind of went away a little bit, but, and then Endeavor had said they pulled out and next thing, bang, it was happening. So very well timed around WrestleMania and everything, you know, my initial thoughts were, I feel that's more going to be more negative than positive for mixed martial arts, but that's in my world. You know, my world is where I want to see contenders take on championships. I want to see them work their way up through divisions. Um, I I don't want to see fights. I want to see them competitively rather than just for playing entertainment where you have two voices or, you know, uh, two personalities per se. And I think, you know, the merge of the two. And I think the trend with the UFC in recent times has been kind of what we're going to be seeing more often in the future, I think is where this is going to be more entertainment based. It's going to be who, but who sells more pay-per-views rather than who deserves the title shots. We see the Leon Edwards who are winning eight or nine fights and how hard it is for them. And Aaron Allen in the same position right now. And it's not going to get any easier for those kind of lads. I don't think unless you, you have to kind of market yourself on social media. Now you have to generate your own kind of following. Um, and that's the sad reality of combat sports in 2023. Um, and unfortunately, 
uh, yeah, we're not going to have these contenders who are winning multiple fights in a row fighting for the title if they don't go out there and call somebody out. So that's the first thing that I was thinking of. Um, you know, the second thing I'm thinking of is that, like, you know, it, it just kind of proves the point that Endeavor is in the business of making money and not for the growth of mixed martial arts. And that's a big, big problem as well um, for, for the growth of the sport, for how well it gets recognized, how well it gets received. You know, there's always been this link between the pro wrestling and the UFC. And this this kind of cements the, the link now. The two of them are basically side by side. And I don't necessarily, I don't really necessarily enjoy it or want it to happen. But I, I kind of still don't know how I fully feel about it, to be honest. I think on that side of it, I think, and you're you're 100% right, they always have been linked. And I think they, even if this had, didn't happen, they always would be linked anyway. You know, they have very similar, um, maybe not our origins, but they've had similar places. Well, maybe the origin of... MMA was similar to where um, uh, pro wrestling was because you had a lot of shooters, you had a lot of you know catch as catch can wrestlers, which you were doing actual submission grappling and all of that. And you know the the idea for I suppose MMA and all of that would have I suppose sprang from pro wrestling, which was around for a lot longer before. And we saw uh, you know Antonio Inoki versus Muhammad Ali and all of that. And I I, I think look, and I necessarily didn't mind those comparisons no. to be fair, you know, but mm. I think. This is different, though. This is different. Uh, I don't know if it necessarily is, because, like, will they actually be linked more in terms of things that matter? Or will it just be like, you know, if they were, if we're having um, a Brock Lesnar match, will there be more of his UFC footage used? If, you know, whatever happens, someone who happens to go to the, the WWE or, you know, will there be more kind of WWE slash UFC documentaries made and things like that? Like, I, I don't think it's actually going to seep into the sport at all. What I think it will seep into the sport is the point that kind of both of us made is like, and this has been happening since Endeavor came, since Joe Silva left. It's been more entertainment-based matchmaking at the top level than it ever was before, which is grand for most of the part, but for sometimes then you have fucking Mads of it all getting title shots, you know? And that's that's where we get to having big problems. And is this going to make it better or worse? I think it's probably going to make it worse. I think linking WWE and UFC in terms of online, in terms of all that, I, I think that's... It'll be annoying, I think. You know, it'll be an, kind of like the Jake Paul stuff getting linked to MMA and all that. Very annoying. I don't want any part of it. I, and I like, you know, pro wrestling, but I don't want any part of that either. I don't like the influencer boxing or boxing in general, to be honest. Give me a bout. Give me a boxing bout. Is it, it's, the situation is a little bit similar because, you know, you had Jake Paul who came into boxing and a lot of the boxing community didn't want that to happen, but it put a lot more eyes on the sport per se as well. Uh, now I don't know whether that's been hugely beneficial to the sport of boxing, but like similar enough here with the WWE, you know you're going to have a lot of cross advertising. You're going to have maybe a couple of new eyes coming over and watching WWE. You're going to have more new eyes coming over and watching the UFC. Like I'd imagine that the WWE is probably globally more popular than the UFC. Maybe Definitely. would you say that? Would it be fair yeah. to say? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, but now, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. There's not going to be any major, major changes that we're going to see over the next maybe year or two. But it'll be interesting to see how the market, both the WWE and the UFC, 
Um, but one thing that we do know, it's not for the benefit of the fighters or anybody that's working for the WWE anyway. It's only going to be put making the the, the big boys more money 100%. at the very top. Oh, that's what it's all about. All yeah, twenty one point three billion. How much? How much? When you imagine you're a fighter, you're a WWE superstar, and you're seeing that kind of money being tro- tossed around. Twenty one point three billion, and then you're going to get signed on to a twelve and twelve contract for the UFC. Um, I mean, it's if it was a, if if I felt that you know that money was going to be shared amongst the fighters fairly, yeah, I'd I'd, uh, I'd be well up for it. You know, uh, there'd be no problem at all. I'd be saying, bring the fucking bring the big show over there to fight in the heavyweight division. He's no problem whatsoever. <laughs> but um, it's not going to happen, Sean. Like we know, it's not going to happen. It's only going to make the rich richer, as they say. Indeed. Let's uh, run through a few more of these. Uh, maybe a bit, bit quick fire. Which current UFC fighter slash employee will be the first to make an appearance on WWE TV? Who's wrestling the first match? That's an interesting one. Like, I, I, I wonder will that happen? Like, will McGregor end up? Uh, like, I think McGregor will end up at some stage at maybe a WrestleMania doing a spot, maybe wrestling a match. Uh, anyone else stick out to you? Maybe Colby Covington, but like, probably not. Yeah. But. Colby or, or Connor would be the two yeah. the two big ones for me. Um, mm. They're both they have their characters down to a T. So and it kind of feeds into the the WWE audience. So you can imagine Colby come in and start calling them all nerds and stuff. Yeah, but like he's that. really terrible though. But he probably will. Yeah, he'll probably <laughs> start calling WWE fans nerds and stuff. But I don't think he'll be on WWE though because like, he's terrible at it. Uh, will the UFC slash WWE merger under Endeavor affect Ariel's access to WWE now? If Dana White was in the position or Vince McMahon is where he is at a level over the business where he has some say on WWE, I would say absolutely Ariel would never be seen near uh, WWE again. The fact he's not maybe saves him a little bit. Is it good for Ariel in that position? I would say absolutely not. Like, it, just, it just can't be. It just absolutely, which is a shame because he seems to really enjoy it. But I think like if Ariel was told like, you could never do WWE again tomorrow, he'd be like, oh, well, you know, that was fun. Uh, who cares? It, MMA is a lot different. So, yeah, well, that's that's the thought on that one. Right, so here's a few quick fire ones. Well, what are the following would you like to see UFC to borrow from WWE? Fan signs. Would you like to see some fan signs in, in the UFC, Ian? Don't care much for fan signs, Sean. No, okay. I can do without those. Champions walking out with their belts. I want to see that. I like. Yes, give like it to that. me. Yeah, like uh, the old classic shoot the box back in the day. Yeah. No, don't have them walking out. Have the guys coming yeah. out with the belt <laughs> over, like yeah. the old Mexicans uh, back yeah. in the day. And the, big the belt over the head, <laughs> and they're shaking it and shouting like mad whores. That's what I, I love want. it. I love it. Um, less uniform slash more unique ring attire. Even, not more maybe if, if they, yeah. they have sponsors on it yes but yeah. uh, you know it's not going to happen no it's not going to happen uh, ring ramps no I, I hate the ring ramps like having been at Bellator a good few times I hate that I love the walk to the ring no I, I don't want that specific entrance music mm, mm, no do you know you can't have that really because like people only fight three times a year so that's a thing like you have it all the time and they don't want to I'm sure they don't want to pay fucking money to own the rights of the songs they're paying them all the time in WWE so they make their own songs a little bit different so um, video packages fighter entrances 
they do have that a little bit when you're at the live venue, but they don't show you that. Uh, I I quite enjoy watching the actual like I mean maybe a small package before they walk out, but I like you. I enjoy watching the walkout. You get to read body yeah. language. You get to see how they're reacting. Like that's all stuff that I take in when I'm watching a fight as well. You know how they are in the are they singing the song? Do they look nervous? Are they responsive? Like those are all things I like looking at just to kind of get a read on a fight before it happens. The best thing when you're at a fight, right, is to see the fighter before they fight. The worst thing when you're at home is to see the fighter before they fight. Like, I hate when they show the fighter background in, in the background, like, you know, warming up. I don't want to see that fighter. In the main event, anyway. I don't want to see that fighter until they're coming through the bowels of the arena. Like, I, I, I don't want to see him. Like, you know when you go to a concert, right? I always mention the Eminem concert. The second Eminem comes out on the the... the the stage you're like oh my god he's here it's actually you know i've been waiting here for fucking seven hours listening to d12 and all that shite and he's finally oh my god you want to see the same for john jones you want to see the same for conor mcgregor and the house whoever it is they need to do more of that i think they need to do better anyway more stipulation matches like loser leaves town loser moves away class hair versus hair etc yeah, uh, get a couple of money in the bank <laughs> once there for UFC title shots because I think a couple of the contenders might need them. <laughs> Do you know what I think it actually be a great idea? I was listening to a wrestling podcast the other day, and they said one thing that WWE really have over. Then they were talking about other wrestling organizations, but is they have cordoned off a section of the year that you know is going to be a race to one other section of the year. So they have the Royal Rumble. The winner of the Royal Rumble is in the main event of WrestleMania, and then who's going to be? In the other matches of wrestling, you have like a four month period where it's all, you know, all lifting to this one massive spot. I think the UFC could do that. Like, they're really good. Like, an international fight week is when in July. Let's start it in October, right? You have a fight in October. There's four lads fight in like, let's say, three different weight classes. Then two lads fight in February. The winners fight each other in February, and then in July, the winner of that gets a title shot. You know, do, do things like that. Why could you not do that and have three title fights on the, the big stage? Do it like that. Now, that'll take a lot of planning. That'll take, like, the matchmaking that they probably don't want to do. But I think that would actually make... Let's say Bilal won those three fights, right? Or those two fights to get to the third fight. That would make him more of a star because people have followed along the journey. I know it's kind of a tournament. They don't like tournaments. But it's. I think it's a little bit different. Like, it's just... It's like the road to the UFC international fight. I think that actually would absolutely be class. But anyway, tag teams, Ian, would you like to see tag teams? We have that in Russia already. We have that. Uh, unique pay-per-view event set designs. Yeah, that's one thing I would like to see. I'd, I would like to see the UFC pay-per-views. Are any cards made, made feel a little bit special? I don't think they are like at the moment. So that's one thing I would like to see anyway. And uh, tournaments. Yeah, we kind of talked about tournaments. Um... All right, there's a few more, and I don't know if we saw it or not, but any thoughts on this year's WrestleMania? I don't watch the product at all anymore, but I keep an eye on what's happening in Mania. Did you watch any of it, Ian? What did you think? Uh, I, I remember I messaged you. I oh, saw yeah. a picture of Brock Lesnar and that other humongous gentleman, almost, and I was almost. like, I need to watch this shit. <laughs> I just needed to see if Brock could lift them, and of course he could lift them. He f five the shit out of him, and then that's all that I watch on. I did not. Probably, I, I kept. I kept a. Yeah. Um, I kept a look at some of the uh, snippets on Twitter and stuff. Used to be a big wrestling guy back in the day, but not so much anymore. But I can appreciate the art. I can appreciate pro wrestling, and 
yeah, I just don't really have the time to get caught up into it right now. Indeed. You probably watched the worst match in the two nights of probably. WrestleMania, so that was unfortunate. I was going to tune in for Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes just yeah. to see like what like what does a, a WrestleMania type main event look like these days because i've seen a couple of great ones back in the past but yeah i just i didn't i kind of just got distracted and i forgot to be honest so that's yeah that's actually the next question people ask what the thoughts on it my my thoughts are is like cody got did he's i don't know if you saw it he did his peck like eight months ago or something it was horrendously bad tore off the bone and he still wrestled the match after he did it uh, against set rounds if you google a picture of it it was insane He's only had a couple of months to like he won the Royal Rumble his first match back, so he's only had two or three months to actually build it. So I think give him another while, build it up more. I think it'll be actually grand. I think people were giving out about it. Um next like one. Like how big like how big is Roman Reigns in comparison to say some of like like for me, uh obviously at the start Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart were all big, but when I was getting real big into it, it was more like, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock um, Sean Michaels, all those like, is he on a par with all of those lads right now? For any point of terms to like, f- like superstar them, I guess. No, no, he, yeah. like he is, he is what they were for this era, but this era is not nearly as popular as it was back then. Although in the last few months, it's got very popular. Like Sami Zayn came through, and all of that. Like I don't actually watch it, but I I listen to podcasts like every day about it because like, I love the kind of the business side of it and the the, the drama in wrestling is just like insane. But uh, the actual watching the wrestling altogether, yeah, it's not the biggest. But yeah, no, they're like there's not as many people watching because look, not as many people watch TV anymore you know especially like network tv and stuff and like he's not as famous as john cena or you know hulk hogan or any of them so yeah uh do either of you listen have you ever listened to jim Cornette's second best podcast ever behind severe that is uh that is christopher's opinion not my opinion uh but jim Cornette is just a mad cunt basically uh, he was a mad cunt back in the day so i can imagine it i can nearly <laughs> tune in just to see how mad his podcast oh, it's is pretty mad. it's pretty it's mad. pretty mad is it oh my mad. goodness but uh i've i just find his rants very funny at times uh, but i don't agree with many of them um so yes okay we have two more questions we also have the the cryptic name game which you were going to ask me and but the last question i have here uh we're going to, he gives us a tag team possible matchups Christopher does and we have to pick the winners okay so Team Ryzen versus Team Glory Team Ryzen is Cape and Prohachka versus Pereira and Cedric Dumbe who wins that oh my goodness I will probably go with Pereira and Cedric Dumbe because if Alex Pereira just hit Manuel Cape one left hook he would probably just vanish into thin air and then it's two on one uh, the next one Team Strike Force versus Team Cage Warriors Nick Diaz and Clay Guida versus Conor McGregor and Ian Gary it has to be McGregor and Gary in that one the size alone would better as well um, Bellator Chandler and Volkov versus Gechi and Ivanov Bellator for one more series of fighting you have to go for Bellator now M1 Shavkat and Lanvir against KSW's Jikas Duplessis and Matthias Gamrat. Oh, that'd be a problem. Gamrat would beat Landwehr and Duplessis would beat Shavkat. So we would draw, I think, in that one. But Duplessis yeah. be, would beat Rachmanov. You think so? No, Rachmanov would beat Duplessis. Did I say that the wrong way around? Yeah, oh, you yeah, said yeah, that wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rachmanov yeah. would beat you too. And uh, Landwehr would get beaten by uh, by uh, Gamrat. Yeah. So right, cryptic 
cryptic name game Ian go on tell us see if I can get them right these are WWE ones as well and we'll finish it out on that W, it's a perfect it's a perfect way to, to end the podcast given the news of the of the get together between the two companies but um, yeah it's time for number one uh, a green superhero plus the surname of the most famous podcaster in the world pronounced by a Brazilian well that's Hulk Hogan isn't it so it's Hulk the green thing and Rogan Joe Hogan Hulk Hogan yeah there we go there you go yeah Hulk correct uh, number two a sharp, precious, precious gem, plus the city JFK was assassinated, plus a sheet of paper in a book. I know this one. Uh, is this Diamond Dallas Page? Yeah, definitely. I, I, there's I, no clue. There. There's no yeah. clue because it's DDP. Because I would have given it away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, yeah, yeah. I hadn't looked at these until right now, and I'm surprised I've gotten that one. But yeah, go on. What's the third one? That was a good one. Um. The third one is a citizen of Italy in the first century, plus a nar- narrow straps attached to one end, at one end of a horse's mouth. Yes, if, he, if it was the other end of the horse, it wouldn't be great. That, uh, <laughs> that is Roman Reigns, I believe, if I'm not. There you I'm go. Three, three out of three, Sean. Three Congratulations. Three. It's not like me. I usually get them fucking wrong, most of them wrong. But yeah, I'm happy enough with that. So yeah, we will... Uh, we will leave it there. We went just about an hour. It was good. It was very, very good, Ian. Thank you for joining me. Thank you to everybody for listening. As I said again, if you're not signed up for Patreon, please do. If you're not listening to the old triangle, please do. On YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, you had Lee Hammond and Big Daddy K, Big Daddy Keefe on. You might have more coming soon. You probably will have more coming soon. We've Cage Warriors, Dublin coming up. Keep it locked to the old triangle for that. Keep it locked to Severe and May for that. We will have loads of stuff. Um, so, yeah. So you can follow Ian at IonEelMMA. Don't bother following me. Follow at SevereMe. Follow at uh, Pod. SevereMe.com on Instagram as well. We're growing massively on Instagram. It's huge. So tell a friend about that. We're, tr- as we're well. trending off the charts. Trending off the charts. Like Dana White would say about every show. Every man. He's going to say fucking WrestleMania is trending off the charts now. What are the now. chances that we get Dana versus Vince on? Oh, do it. Well, yeah, I love the way Vin, when you think about Dana and Vince, Dana was, oh, sorry, Vince was sacked for paying off women who he had sex with fucking six months ago. Dana White slapped the shit out of his wife and these two lads now are running like the biggest sporting conglomerate conglomerate like I can't say that word in the world what a fucking world what a what a, what a bunch of Teflon fucking scumbags we have around don't we fucking hell yeah you know what they say Sean yeah these things happen sometimes in MMA these things happen in WWE as well we leave it at that lads <laughs> thanks everybody for listening we'll see you all next time good luck <laughs>